Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast Channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you'd like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab, or you can text the amount of your contribution to 256-483-4991. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now, get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, continues with part four of his series, Question Theology. All right, good morning, Faith Church. Hey, man, great to see everybody here. Thanks so much for being a part of our weekend worship experience. I just got to tell you this, man, I, and I, I think I say it a lot, but, man, I love y'all. Like, I get fired up every week that I get to see and spend time with you, and I just love it. Anybody else here fired up to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith Church? Man, I, I love what I do, love what I get to be a part of. It's exciting. It's uh, the greatest thing you could ever do, man, is get on the bandwagon of what God's doing to change and transform people's lives, and so... Uh, welcome. Man, if you're a first-time guest here, it's our privilege to have you. If you're watching online, if this is your home church and you're here every week, hey, whyever you're here, for whatever reason, man, welcome. Great to see you guys. Well, hey, listen, we, uh, we started a series a couple weeks ago that today we're concluding. The title of the series is Question Theology. And again, this isn't meaning that we're looking at theology. Theology is the study of God, basically, and we're questioning it. What we're doing is we're looking at questions that Jesus asked and kind of figuring out why did he ask these questions. Because what we know is this, is Jesus, who is God in the flesh, Jesus showed up, incarnation, God wrapped himself in humanity. God knows everything. So when he asks a question, he's not looking for information. He's not trying to figure something out. And there's a reason that he asks questions, and he asks a lot of questions. In fact, we know this, at least recorded in the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament, They're biographical sketches of the life and ministry of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, at least recorded there that we know that Jesus, he he asked other people almost twice as many questions as people ask him. So Jesus used questions as a way to get people to kind of search their heart, to look on the inside. In fact, we know this because he knew everything. He wasn't asking questions for his benefit. This is what we've been saying through this series is, The question is never for his information, but our transformation. That if Jesus took time to ask questions, it's because he wanted us to stop and reflect and kind of dig deep and kind of look on the inside and see what's going on. And so today, we're going to look at one of the last questions. Again, there's over 300 that he's asked. We've only looked at three of them so far today for us, so there's lots we've left out there. But let me ask this before we get in too deep. Uh, how How many people here have interesting sleepers in their house? Let me tell you what an interesting sleeper is. There's the sleeper who gets undressed when it's time for bed. They crawl underneath the covers. They cover up, close their eyes, and, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine hours later, they wake up, and it's just totally uneventful, and we're not talking about you. Anybody here uh, an interesting sleeper, which means you got some stuff going on when you close your eyes? Like, how many people we got, and, like, you don't know you are, but you know someone else in the house is? How many people got someone that snores in their house? Look at the person next to you and say, I'm talking about you, baby. <laughs> talking about you. Um, <clears throat> not very often, not very often, but sometimes I just have a little bit of trouble going to sleep, and I don't, like to, I don't like to keep my wife up. So every now and then I just kind of go hang out on the couch for a little bit till I get tired. I'm not going to tell you who it was. We have five people in my home. I'm just telling you, I'm laying on the couch the other night, and I have snoring in stereo. 
like hooked on, like, I mean, it's, I'm not going to tell you where it's coming from, but it, it was loud. It was loud. We have all kinds of interesting sleepers in our house. We have, we've had, we have three, uh, three kids. Two of them aren't really kids anymore, but they're still in my home, so they're always going to be my kids. And uh, we got some sleepwalkers in the house. We got some people, like, it's, it's kind of odd. My, my son, um, like, he gets up every now and then, and you can tell he's asleep. And I, I'm shocked because there's been times where I'm still awake. I'm out in the living room. He gets up out of his bedroom. He's walking. And I'm thinking, where are you going? And I'm glad I was there to catch him because who knows where he would have woke up. I'm like, Zach, wake up. Go back to bed. So we got sleepwalkers. I won't tell you who this is, but we had this happen about 10 years ago. So it just excluded Zach. So now we know it's one of the daughters. <laughs> I got to tell the story because I know you're interested. I'm saying we had friends over. It's, uh, it's, it's not too late of a night, but our daughters were in bed. And we're down kind of hanging out with our friends. And we seen one of our daughters get up and walk past us. Like, come down the steps and go to the kitchen. We thought, I don't know, maybe they're getting a drink of water. I don't know. And we didn't get up to check. And a few minutes later, we heard the sound of water hitting something. And we woke up. It wasn't water. They mistook the kitchen trash can as a toilet. And it was crazy. (laughs) It was crazy. It was on. Um, My wife and I, we're kind of interesting sleepers, right? We have a great marriage. Most of you guys know this. And I really brag on our marriage because, to me, it's normal. We have a normal marriage. We love each other. We're committed to each other. I, I tell my wife all the time, babe, I don't just love you. I'm in love with you. I'm not just committed to love you. Like my heart beats for you like the first day I've seen you, and I mean that. And uh, so we have a great marriage, except when we're sleeping, because when we're sleeping, it's WWE, baby. It's on. We, uh, we got some physical abuse going on in our bedroom at night when we're sleeping. Um, I have hit my wife multiple times in the night. Just recently, I remember waking up like I hit her so hard it woke me up. And I apologized to her, but she didn't say anything, so I figured it was all good. <laughs> Till the next day, she reminded me she wasn't good. But she got me back. Several years ago, we were on vacation, and uh, I sleep. I'm a stomach sleeper. How many stomach sleepers we got? How many back sleepers we got? So I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping on my stomach, and when I roll over, like I'm on the left, and I get on the right, get on the left. And so at one point, I roll, went to roll over, and my wife, who sleeps sometimes with her arm up, I'm just telling you, like, I got up and went to go over, and I landed right on her finger, straight up my nose. (laughs) Stabbed me in the brain. I'm telling you. Immediately woke up, blood gushing out everywhere. She didn't say there were even, but she had that look in her eye, right? So we got some interesting sleepers in our house. And so this topic, sleep, it's it's a big topic in, in, in the Bible. It's a big topic. And it's not just a big topic like when we think about sleep, we're, again, just talking about rest. Sleeping is a synonymous term with kind of some big Bible topics. When you, when you read Scripture and you, you see things like sleep, sleeping, arise, awake, it's kind of all tied into some big significant chunks of God, who we are, things like that. In fact, here's a couple ideas. I want you to just hear this real quick because this is important where we're going. When you're sleeping, you have no situational awareness, right? When you're asleep, you don't know what's going on. You don't know who's by you. You don't know who's with you. You don't know what's going on, right? I mean, you just have no situational awareness. When you're asleep, you are just aloof to what else is going on. And so, again, this idea of sleeping is throughout Scripture. And here's, here's three quick kind of big topics that capture this idea that's synonymous with sleep. First of all, peace. Everybody say peace, right? God comes along and he says, listen, I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest. He's not talking about, you know, being our, being our, um, uh, our spiritual sleep pill, 
our spiritual unisom, right? He's not talking about that. What he's saying is he's saying in, in the midst of a crazy, chaotic world, I want, you to, I want you to have sleep. I want you to have peace. I want you to be able to rest well. There's tons of scriptures that talk about God being our peace or God being our rest. In fact, here's one in the book of Leviticus, God speaking to his people, and he says this to him. He says, read it with me, I will give you peace in the land, and you'll be able to sleep with no cause for fear. And I'll rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. So it's like one of the ideas when you hear sleeping, he doesn't mean literal sleep. He's saying, I want you to have peace. I want you to have rest. I just want you to know here today, if you're in a tough situation, maybe there's some things going on with your family. Maybe your kids are just off the reservation. Maybe your life right now just kind of feels wheels off, like, man, this is out of control. I just want you to know that God wants you to have rest. God wants you to have peace. Here's another idea kind of synonymous in Scripture with this idea of sleeping. It's this idea of death. In fact, a lot of times when you read in Scripture, you'll find that when the Bible describes somebody who's died, it'll say they're asleep. And the reason is because when somebody has died, it looks like they're what? Asleep. When you see somebody, a loved one, unfortunately, but you see them in a casket, you see somebody who has passed on, it just looks like they're sleeping. And so you see this, this term that kind of the idea is death, is kind of this idea of sleeping that, again, you're no longer aware. You're, you have no situational awareness. You don't care about what's going on on planet Earth anymore. I'm just telling you, listen, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. I'm looking forward to getting up out of here because this place is crazy, and I'm going to a place where there is peace, joy, righteousness forever and ever and ever. And so Jesus said it this way. This is kind of cool. A friend of his had died. His name was Lazarus, and this is what Jesus said. Then he said, our friend Lazarus, watch this, has fallen asleep, but now I'll go and wake him up, and he's not talking about an alarm clock. He's talking about he gets him up with a word, brings him back from the dead. Watch this. He says, they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant that Lazarus has died. So again, when you read Scripture, this idea of sleeping is a big way to kind of talk about death. But here's the big one, and this is where we want to land for a few minutes, is when the Bible talks about sleeping or being asleep, it often means this right here, being spiritually unaware being spiritually unaware. I mean, like, Scripture's littered with this. It's all over. It's all over the Old Testament. God speaking through his prophets to his people, the nation of Israel, over and over again, telling them they're asleep, telling them that that a spirit of stupor has fallen on them. God at times saying, I've I've poured out a spirit of sleep on you, and your prophets ain't going to prophesy anymore, and they're not going to see dreams anymore. It's like they've just become disengaged with who God is, unaware of what God is doing. Jesus goes on in the New Testament and talks a lot, again, about the same idea, about eyes being closed, people not being aware. In fact, at one time in the book of Matthew, Jesus is teaching a parable. And in this parable, he's talking about the time where he's going to come back. Maybe you don't know that, but I want you to know Jesus came once, but he's coming a second time. It's a huge theme in the New Testament that Jesus is coming back. And in this parable, he's talking about us as believers that we're his bride and that he's our bridegroom and the bridegroom's going to come back and get the bride and so he's talking this way and then he says this and this is so big watch this he says and when the bridegroom was delayed when he didn't come back when we thought he was coming back they all became drowsy and did what fell asleep he's not saying like literally we fall asleep he's saying like when god doesn't do what we think he's going to do and we think he should do it like we just kind of we we kind of we're out. We check out. Let me just ask you a question. 
Listen, if, if you knew or you, like we knew, like Jesus was coming back tonight, y'all would be emptying your wallet in the offering. You'd be calling every person you know. Hey, do you know Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. You need to know Jesus. Let me, ha- let me walk you through knowing who Jesus is. Like you'd be doing all kind of good deeds. You'd be helping people. You'd be working your fingers to the bone because you knew Jesus was coming back, right? Anybody here, if you knew Jesus come back, you would live different right now, like right now. Like you'd be calling people, apologizing. Third grade teacher, I'm sorry for being the brat I was in your classroom. But like we know he's coming back, but he's not come back for 2,000 years, so it could be another 2,000 years. So we're kind of like, yeah, he's coming back. (laughs) Maybe. It's like we just kind of disengage. So this idea of being spiritually unaware, another way of saying it in the Bible is that we become hard-hearted, like God's trying to speak to our heart, and we just shut him out. We shut him down. Like we just fall asleep to this life that we're living. And it's this huge idea. Now, I'm just telling you, sleep's a good thing. I'm all about some sleep. Anybody here like some sleep? Like I like getting getting in bed at night and the sheets being cold. I get mad if my son, like sometimes our kids, like Shauna often gets in the bed before I do. And if one of the kids come and get in my spot before I get there, I get mad because they warm my spot up. I like getting in and when it's all comfy and cold and the sheets are still tight. Like that moment, right? Sleep is a good thing. Here I found out sleep, you know, you got to have enough sleep to lose weight. Like I'm not a great sleeper. I go to bed pretty late most nights. Like you got to have enough sleep. When you sleep, your body's healing itself. Your eyes are healing themselves. Like in order to sleep, like your, your body, your chemicals, your hormones are balancing themselves out. So sleep is really important, spiritual sleep. In fact, I would say it this way, that sleeping is one of the best things you can do physically. Now, not too much. You can get lazy. But getting a good night's sleep every night, sleeping is one of the best things you can do physically. But, come on, y'all read this. It's one of the worst things that you can do spiritually. Because Jesus comes on the scene. He says, hey, listen, he asks this question. Remember, anytime Jesus asks a question, he's wanting us to dig deep on the inside. Jesus asks us this question. Hey, why are you sleeping? And he's not looking for, well, I had a long day and I'm tired. He's not, he's not talking about physical sleep, and we're going to see this in a minute. He's not just talking about us closing our eyes, laying down, setting our alarm clock, and clocking out for six or eight hours. When Jesus asked me and he asked you this question, hey, why are you sleeping? He's asking this deep question that he wants us to search our hearts for to come up with a real answer. And I think if we'll ask the question and we'll search out the answer, here's what I know. We'll sleep a whole lot less. Because physical sleep is one of the best things you can do, but spiritual sleep is one of the worst things you can do. So we're going to look at a story today for just a few minutes. It's a story. It kind of is the pinnacle of Jesus' life in ministry. So he's here for 30 years. He's born a baby. He's raised by Mary. He grows up. He knows who he is. He starts walking in his call. At age 30, Jesus begins to walk. He's no longer the carpenter's son. He begins to walk out his mission as the Messiah. And he goes through the countryside teaching people about God, about the kingdom, what the kingdom of heaven is like, what God is like, what his rule is like, what his reign is like. Jesus said this. Jesus said, you want to know what the Father's like? Look at me. If you see me, you've seen the Father. 
We know God is loving. We know God is gracious because that's how Jesus was. Jesus didn't just teach, but he did miracles. It was his way of of proclaiming that if God was going to set this broken world right, he can only do it if he has power over everything that's broken. So that's why he demonstrated power over sickness and power over death and power over nature. If he's going to fix a broken world, he had to demonstrate he had the power to do it. But he didn't walk alone. We know that in the beginning of his ministry, he picked up 12 men, 12 disciples that he would pour his life in, that his message would continue, that when he left. And he knew he was always leaving. He knew that his time here was short. In fact, he said early on in his ministry this. He said, I didn't come to serve or to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. He knew he always came to die. He knew his mission was always to lay down his life for you and I. And this time is coming. Three years has passed. He's poured his life into these men. He's taught everything he knows into people who can hear it and receive it. And he's right on the cusp of being arrested, of being brutally beaten, and being hung on a cross. Not because he did anything wrong, but in our place. And right before this happens, I mean, can you imagine Jesus like he knows what's right around the corner, like he knows what's about to happen to him. And he is absolutely overwhelmed that even though he loves us, like don't mistake, even though he loves us and he did it for us, even though he wanted to honor the father and it's like, God, father, whatever it takes, I'm going to do what honors you. Like I'm just telling you, he was not looking forward to being beaten, mocked, spit on, beard pulled crown of thorns pressed on his head, nailed to a cross, carrying a beam and laying in a tomb. He wasn't looking forward to it. So the moment's upon him. This is the pinnacle. This is the time that Jesus is getting ready to die. And he takes the 12. Actually, the 11 at this point. Judas has betrayed him. And he goes into a season where he's praying because he's so overwhelmed. I just want you to know, if you're ever overwhelmed, the best thing you can do is pray. If you're ever exhausted, the best thing you can do is pray. Is Jesus is in a place where he is just overwhelmed, and so he goes to the Father in prayer. Here's the story. Check it out. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, watch this, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Watch this. Come on, read this with me. Stay here and keep watch with me. So he says, hey, I want you to stay here because I'm going to go over there and pray while you're here. Say it with me one more time. I want you to do what? Keep watch with me. Keep going. And he went on a little further and bowed down his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, if there's any other way to save humanity, if there's any other way that, that we can rescue broken people, if there's any other way besides me going to the cross, then let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. What a powerful, powerful prayer. Then he returned to his disciples. So he goes and he prays a while and he comes back. And remember what he told his disciples to do? Everybody shout, keep watch. He said, I want you to keep watch. I want you to stay awake. Then he returned to the disciples and did what? He found him what? Asleep. Here's where he asked the question. This is Matthew's recording of this story. Luke is the one where Jesus comes. He says, hey, why? Why are you sleeping? Hey, I'm, you know, Jesus, I'm just tired, man. <laughs> it's been a long day. We've been walking dusty roads. Jesus doesn't care about how they, fear, how they feel physically. When he asked the question, why are you sleeping? He found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me? Couldn't you stay awake? Couldn't you just, couldn't you just hang on and keep your eyes open 
for even just one hour? Keep going. He says this again. He tells them, read it. Keep watch and pray so you'll not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. How many people know that's true? Like a lot of things I want to do that I don't do and a lot of things I don't want to do that sometimes I do. I, I can relate to Paul. Keep going. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed. So he, he, he hangs out, goes and prays, comes back, finds them sleeping, goes again, prays a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them what? Come on, y'all. I found them what? Sleeping. They were not just resting. That, they were, if you look at them, it looked like they were asleep, but Jesus knew something else was going on, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Keep going. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing that he prayed before. Then he came to the disciples. Come on, read with me last verse. And said, go ahead and sleep. Go on and sleep. You want to sleep? Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. This is where a group of people showed up, arrested Jesus, and ultimately ended up hanging him on a cross. Here's what I want you to know just for a few minutes. When I talk about, and the Bible talks about us being spiritually unaware, like, why are you sleeping? What the Bible's saying is like, why, why don't you care about what's kind of really going on? What's going on in your life that all you care about is this physical world? Why are you missing what God is up to? Why are you not aware that God's trying to do something in your life? God's trying to do something in your life, through your life. He's like, why are you not aware God is doing something right here in this moment? Why are you asleep? Again, this was a big moment. The Messiah had finally come. The rescuer, the deliverer had finally showed up. And he's getting ready to be murdered on a cross. And the disciples are sleeping. They're unaware of God's plan. They're unaware that it was always God's plan. And here's what I want you to know. Just two things you can write these down. Is that when you're sleeping again, anytime you're sleeping, you have no situation awareness. Here's what I want you to know. Write this down. Is this right here. That when you're sleeping, you can be easily taken advantage of. Come on, somebody. Anybody here ever have a sleepover at a friend's house and you woke up with marker on your face? Those are real friends right there, right? You wake up, next day you got some junk on Snapchat where you're holding a baby doll, right? They got, right? Come on. Listen, this is why you should. I'm just going to tell you, this is not a message on drinking. I did a message. You want to know my stance, and I believe the Bible stance on drinking. You can check it out. But here's why I believe Christians shouldn't drink, especially we shouldn't get drunk, because when you are drunk, you have an altered state of consciousness, you can be taken advantage of easily, right? It's like being the same thing, like you're just not really aware of what's going on around you. I know this, I was a youth pastor for, I've been a lead pastor now for um, about seven, two, since 2000, about almost, six, almost 16 years, over 16 years. I was a youth pastor for about eight years over two different youth groups, and I love helping kids. I think I made a difference in a lot of teenagers' lives. I know, man, a lot of them came to Jesus, had great moments, we built great relationships, but I'm going to tell you, I jacked some kids up. There's some kids that are in counseling today because I was their youth pastor. Uh, there was nothing like going on trips. You know, we would go and take a busload of kids, and we would go to conventions and all kinds of things, conferences and camps. And when you got someone else's kids for two days, you're going to jack some kids up. I'm just telling you. And we had this one kid in our room, and there was four or, four or five, uh, you know, teenagers in my room. We were hanging out. And this one kid, if he's watching, Philip Johnson, you're going to remember this. <laughs> I called him out. Philip. And so uh, we're hanging out one night, and we had a conference early the next morning. And this one kid, Philip, he went to sleep early that night. So the rest of us, we, we hung out. We just kind of were talking. About 2 o'clock in the morning, we had this idea. So we turned all the lights off. Philip had been asleep for like two hours. And we, uh, it, we knew we had to get up early, so we just cut all the lights off. And I'm like, 
Everybody acted like they were asleep. And I was like, Philip, dude, get up, man. We overslept. Quick, go jump in the shower. We got to go. And so everybody sits up. And like, so he, he wakes up. And like, oh, what? Like, dude, go get in the shower. We got to go. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. He jumps up, runs in the shower, closes the door. You hear the shower. We all went to bed. He came out like a half hour later. He's totally awake, dressed, hair done. Like, let's go. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? We ain't leaving for like five more hours, dude. Go to bed. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. But you know why I could do that to him? Because he was asleep. You have no situational awareness when you're sleeping. You can be easily taken advantage of. I want you to listen to this. I want you all to pull in. Listen to what Jesus said back in our story. He says, keep watch. Stay awake. Be aware so that you'll not give in to temptation. I want you to know that, like, I don't know if you believe it or not. I don't know if you know it or not. But every one of us in this room, we have a real spiritual enemy. He's always looking for opportunity to trip us up, to make us stumble, for us to fall into sin. He's always looking, think, looking for opportunities to put things in front of us, to rob things from us. He was always looking for opportunities to do that. And so Jesus said, listen, I want you to make sure that you don't fall asleep spiritually and become a victim to the enemy. Because it can happen easily. I'll just tell you this right now. If I said this on this platform, that I'll give $100 to any person in this room that can come up here and hogtie me. I'm telling you, I'm walking out of here with my $100 in my pocket. Bet. What, Blake? What? Blake's like, $100? I'm just telling you, if you take my $100, you're going to have to take it from me. But if I'm asleep at my house and y'all snuck in because I'm a heavy sleeper, anybody here heavy sleepers? Like, I'm a, you could do whatever you wanted to me in the middle of the night, and I might like it. I'm just telling you. <laughs> might not. Because when you're asleep, you don't know what's going on. When you're asleep, you're a victim. When you're asleep, things can go really bad. And so Jesus says, hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. It's okay if you get physical sleep, but when you fall asleep spiritually, when you stop being aware of what God is up to, when you stop being aware of what Jesus is trying to do in your life, when you stop being aware of this spiritual dimension, he said, I want you to know something. You're setting yourself up to be taken advantage of. Here's a story. You can check it out later, the whole story. But y'all remember the story of Samson, the strongest man that we think ever lived. God used him in the nation of Israel to be one of the deliverers. Y'all remember what, how he was taken out? The strongest man who ever lived. Do you know what his downfall was? He fell asleep in the lap of a woman. Check it out, Judges 16, 19. And Delilah lulled Samson to sleep. Do you know why? Because you can't take out the strongest man that ever lived when he's awake. You can't take out a strong believer in Christ when we're aware of what's going on. But you go to sleep, you shut your eyes, you stop being aware, Laying with his head in her lap, that's when she cut his hair and robbed his strength, and he was taken captive by the enemy. Here's another thing I want you to write this down. Check this out. We become unaware of urgent moments. When you're asleep, you, like, you're not aware of the big moments. You're not aware of really kind of the big things that are going on. A party could be happening in your house. You're asleep. We just don't know it. I remember the Super Bowl, right? Anybody here watch the Super Bowl to the end this year? We went over, we had a small group party, and um, I wasn't really a fan of either team. I'm a Browns fan, you know, perennial losers forever. But like Cleveland, I'm a hometown boy. And so, but I'm like, okay, this is, Alabama's our home, and y'all are kind of Falcon fans, right? So I'm going to be a Falcon fan. I'm not really a Brady fan. Like, I'm not. Anybody here Brady haters? Like, I'm a Brady hater. 
Listen, don't shake your head. I see you shaking your head. He is the greatest of all time, but I hate him. I don't like him. I don't like him. But so when, when they started winning, I was watching the game. We're a small group eating chips, drinking stuff. It go up 7 nothing. Ah! They're going to win 14 nothing. I'm like, oh, baby, it's a game. I didn't want to see a blowout, but I wanted to see the Falcons. 21 nothing. I'm like, game over. Bye-bye, Brady. Like, I was fired up. 21-3 at the half. Who cares? They kick the field goal, come back out in the third quarter. They score again. 21-3. I'm like, this game's over. We shut it down because I'm 45 and I'm old. So we close it down. We went home. I didn't even turn the game back on. We went home. I watched, I don't know, Walking Dead or something and went to bed. If you don't watch Walking Dead, don't write me a letter because I watch it. Get over it. <laughs> and so we watched Walking Dead, went to sleep. I went to sleep thinking, like, bye-bye, Brady. I woke up the next day like, bye-bye, Brady. <laughs> like, he pulled it off again. I hate him even more now. I missed it. Here I am. I go to bed thinking that the Falcons won, woke up knowing that while I was sleeping, Brady pulled the comeback of all time. You missed it if you're sleeping. I want you to notice what Jesus says here. Because if you are spiritually asleep, if you are spiritually unaware of what God wants to do in your life, what he wants to do in your life, for your life, through your life, if you're sleeping, you'll miss it. And Jesus says, hey, why are you sleeping? Don't you know? Don't you care? Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Like, you might as well go ahead and keep sleeping because you missed it. You missed the moment of me needing you to pray for me. You missed the moment of me needing you to kind of stay aware because in this moment, the sin of the world was being placed on my shoulders and you, you just slept through it. Thanks for nothing. So you miss these big moments. I remember one of the first people like I ever lost. Like I've not had, I've been fortunate, I've really not had a lot of death in my family. I actually pray for my, my uncle just passed away. I uh, have to drive to Ohio tomorrow for his funeral, but I mean, I'm 45, and I just have not had a lot of death in my family, not a lot of death with friends, been very fortunate. But I can remember the first death. Isn't that weird? First person like that I felt like was a friend, or it was a girl in third grade. And I remember coming to school the next day, and she wasn't there, because she sat one desk over, one desk up, and she wasn't there. And kind of, you just maybe thought, you know, she's sick, she's not here today. Class gets rolling. I'll never forget Miss Russ, my third grade teacher, comes up in front of the room and tells us that her name was Latasha. Latasha had died the night before in a house fire. And not just Latasha, but her, her two younger brothers and her mom and dad. And like I can, like I can remember that moment, like, like when, you're th when you're in third grade trying to wrap your brain around death. But you know why they died? Because I'm just telling you, if a fire broke out and they were all awake, I just want you to know, they would still be alive. But because they were asleep, they were totally unaware that their house was burning down around them and they were suffocating from carbon dioxide. This had no idea. But they died nonetheless. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, I, I want you to be careful. I want you to be aware. I want you to stay awake. In fact, this is the way Paul says it because I want you to know something. This is, this is really where it comes down to. I just believe that we're in a generation right now that we got a lot of snooze button Christians. You know what a snooze button Christian is? A snooze button because when the Bible talks about us being asleep, on one hand it's talking about people that have never woke up to grace. We've never, they never woke up like they're still asleep in their sin. They're, they're still asleep. They don't know about God. They're still asleep. They don't know about grace. They don't know about eternal life. Like they're still asleep. 
And then there's some of us. Anybody here in this room remember the day you woke up to grace? March 19, 1989, I woke up to God's love, God's grace, who he is and what he's done for me. Anybody here remember the day you gave your life to Jesus? Come on, somebody. You know what happened? You woke up. Like before that, I was like, Ugh. And then I woke, I opened my eyes and I seen it for the first time. God's love and grace for my life. I became awake. I became aware. So there's people that have always been asleep and still been asleep. And then there's us that have been woke up. And I've, I've been awake. But every now and then we have a tendency to fall back asleep. We are snooze button Christians. Like we woke up, but then we just want to kind of tuck back in. We want to go to sleep. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Like you're walking with Jesus and all of a sudden like you're just not really where you were. It's not really in the game like you was. Not really paying attention like you once were. Didn't, don't really care about the things of God like you once were engaged with. So Paul says this in Romans. Paul comes out. He makes this huge statement. This is the verse I want you to see today. He tells us he's given us all these challenges for our lives in Romans chapter 13 early about how to love people and how to treat people and how to walk in this world. And then he says this. This is all the more urgent to live in a way that shows that we love God and know God. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. So come on, I need y'all to shout these next two words to me. Wake up. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, wake up. He says, because time's running out, wake up. For our salvation is near now than when you first believed. What he's talking about is, and really we're not clear, but he's talking about one of potentially two things. When he's talking about salvation, our salvation is already fixed in Jesus. Jesus has already died at this point, so he's not talking about us being forgiven. He's talking about either you're going to die soon, and so your salvation, like you're, you're not, you're not in, a, in, a, in a dying body anymore, so your salvation is about to be finished, or most people think he's referring to Jesus coming back. He's saying, man, the hour's late. Like, we're running out of time. He's saying, like, get your spiritual rear end in gear. Because salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. So he says it. Come on, say it again. Wake up. This wake-up call is a call to action and awareness. He's saying, listen, if you, if you have woken up and you're, like, you are aware of who God is and what God has done for you, he's saying, I want you to stop being a snooze-button Christian. Like, keep, stop laying in your sin and in your complacency. Stop laying in being busy just with this world and being caught up in just what's happening in time and get busy with what's in eternity. I want you to wake up to really walking out your faith. Wake up to really living for God. Wake up to a passion to the Father in your heart. Wake up. Wake up. And don't just open your eyes. It's a call to action and awareness. When Paul says, wake up, He's saying some of you have fallen asleep because I can tell you there have been times in my life that I have fallen asleep. Like my passion waned, distractions came. And there are just times in our life that we need somebody like to shake us. You gotta get up. My son, he hates, most days my wife wakes him up in the morning uh, he hates when I wake him up because mom like strokes him. Time to get up, honey. And, like she'll hang out with him for five minutes while he, uh, like I'm like, get up. And like I just jab him right in the ribs. I just hit him right in the kidney. Boom. That's it. Time to get up. Like this is that. Like I'm not here to stroke you today. Come on, honey. Time to get up. Wake up. You're late. Time is short. And so I'm going to give you these things real quick. You can write these down. 
Five things real quick, wake up to reality. What Paul is calling us to is to wake up to reality. When you say, what do you mean reality? Here's what I mean, and here's what the Bible means about reality. There is a spiritual dimension that's greater than this physical dimension. The Bible says everything that we can see, everything that was physically made came from a spiritual realm. That God in the realm of the spirit, which is not seen, was here long before planet Earth was here with stars, quasars, the sky. That it all came out of that spiritual dimension. Like that's the real reality. He said, I want you to wake up to God's love. I want you to wake up that in this world we live, like there's broken people. There's lost people. There's hurting people. I said, I want you to wake up to grace. I want you to wake up to love. I want you to wake up like to this reality because a lot of times, man, we sleep in this stuff that really doesn't matter. We're aware of things that really don't count. And so I want you to wake up to this reality. Number two, real quick, wake up to who you are. If there's a different reality than just kind of planet earth and working a job and mowing a lawn and raising kids, and there is, he said, I want you to wake up. I, I'm just telling you, I think we need to wake up to who we are. Who are we in that reality? The Bible says if we belong to him, I'm a child of God. I'm a pastor. I'm a boss. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a citizen. I'm a lot of things. But the number one thing that I need to wake up to every single moment of my life is that I'm a child of God. That's the most important reality there is. So when you know what the reality is and you know who you are, you've got to wake up to your responsibilities. Come on, everybody say, wake up. What's your resp- if you are and you're aware that there is, a, there is a heaven, there is a hell, there's a God, there's a devil, there's hurting, broken, lost people, you know you're a child of God, you know who God is, what God can do, what he's done for you, then I think when Paul says, hey, wake up, He's not saying it's time to get out of bed. He's saying it's time to like become aware again to this world we live in. What's your responsibility? Now, I know in the world that we live, I know everybody in this room, we're buried in responsibility. It's like anybody else here feels like you're just trying to keep your head above water some days? Like we're running kids to games and trying to do our businesses and we're trying to stay healthy and we're trying to like work jobs and like, it's hard enough. And you say, Pastor, you're, you're giving me one more thing to do. No, what I'm doing is I'm trying to prioritize the most important thing you can do. When life is pulling on you and giving you responsibilities, the most important thing you can do is your responsibility that matters for you to stay awake spiritually. So you got to wake up your decisions. Tomorrow, you're going to make decisions. And either those decisions are going to derail or empower the responsibility you have for who you are in the reality that we're aware of. Either we're going to make decisions that impact this world, where we love people, help people, where we're making a difference, not just for the moment, for what, but what's going to matter for eternity. So we got to wake up, like, because we can make decisions and roll decisions off, and they don't really count for anything. In fact, sometimes they hurt us from who we're supposed to be. But we can make decisions that, like, really matter. I've shared this before, but, you know, I, I was going to Akron University as an electrical engineer, was almost done with the program, really knew that God called me to do this. Like, I knew this is what I was called to do. And I remember a guy, he told me this, and I'll never, ever forget it. As an engineer, engineers design and create things. And he told me this. He said, Steve, he said, why do you want to build stuff that won't last for eternity? I'm like, I, I don't. Because one day this will all be gone. I want to build stuff. I want to be a part of something that's going to last forever. And you can only do that if you're aware and if you're awake. 
And so you gotta wake up your dreams. Here's what I believe about every person in this room. If there is, is there is something that's been deposited in your heart that God gave you to do. Now, you may not know that yet, but God's given you a dream. And if you'll do it, I mean, it could be a big money maker. It can bring you a lot of peace and joy if you'll do it. But at the end of the day, really the reason God gave it to you is because it's why he put you here. That somehow what he's called you to do and given you to do, and it could be with money, it can be with finances, it can be with whatever. It doesn't have to be a church thing. But it's a life thing. When you'll figure out what your dream is, it'll impact this world. It'll not just be about a paycheck. It'll not just be about keeping your head above water financially. So you got to wake up to your dreams. Like, what is the thing that God's given you to do? Start making decisions that'll get you there because it'll help you fulfill your responsibilities and who you are to really be a part of this reality that's more than just time and space, but it's eternity. It's God. It's grace. It's so much bigger than this world. But too many of us, man, we're snooze button Christians. Like we wake up Sunday morning, we're like, I love Jesus, and we're lifting our hands and we're singing. Monday morning, we're at work. (sighs) Someone walks by us. We know they don't know God. We know it. We know the way they carry themselves. I'm talking about judging people, but we know it. We know they're lost. snooze on that we don't never open our mouth never invite them to church never share Christ with them like God gives us an opportunity to help somebody like somebody's in need and God puts that person in front of you for a reason snooze I was busy God later like I got a lot going on every time you say no to that voice of the Holy Spirit you're hitting the snooze button Every time you miss church, I'm just telling you, listen, this is not a guilt trip. I'm here to help. Every time you miss gatherings, every time you don't go to small group, every time you say no to church, you're hitting the snooze button. Every time you choose not to engage God through prayer or the word, you're hitting the snooze button. Because those are the things that God uses to wake us up. Let me just ask a question. I'll shut this down. Anybody here ever come to church? If you haven't, don't keep it. But anybody here ever come to church and God got your attention, God woke you up, God brought, you, brought something in front of you that you needed to hear or be aware of? Raise your hand. You know what happened in that moment? God woke you up. Like you didn't see it, you weren't aware of it, you were kind of napping on it, and God woke you up. Now I'm just telling you it's time to stay awake. Let's just engage this life. Let's figure out our dreams, figure out our decisions, figure out our responsibilities, figure out who we are, and figure out what reality really matters. I found a quote, and I'll close with it. It's by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Very, very cool. I love this. Because Rip Van Winkle, like a guy that can sleep 20 years, sometimes I feel like I'd like to sleep 20 years. So the guy's kind of got my heart. Here's, Here's what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said at a graduation speech. He said, the most striking fact about the story of Rip Van Winkle is not that he slept 20 years, but that he slept through a revolution. It's powerful. While he was peacefully snoring up on the mountain, a great revolution was taking place in the world. Indeed, a revolution which would, at points, change the course of history. And Rip Van Winkle knew nothing about it because he was asleep. Because during the time period, right, there was... The revolution, this nation God was planning and building, he's totally missed it. I'm just telling you, there's another another revolution taking place. 
where God's kingdom is advancing and God is positioning people to bring hope and change and grace, not condemnation and hate and pointing fingers. We got enough of that. Where God is setting up people to bring hope, love, and change to a world that desperately needs it. If I can't wake up anybody else, and sometimes I have trouble waking myself up in the morning, sometimes I have trouble waking my kids up, but as your pastor, I'm going to give you two more words when I pray. Wake up! Father, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, you will help us today to stop sleeping on responsibility, stop hitting the snooze button of life on the things you've called us to and the things that matter and the things that make a difference. I pray, God, you will, in a way that maybe I don't have the subtlety to, God, in every heart, in every life here, I pray, God, you will gently push us, nudge us, and wake us up. Because, God, life is passing us by. And there's so much that you've called us to do. Help us to do it before it's too late. And, Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen.